Welcome to Bandcamp. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Dan. And this is the podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. And this season, we are reading The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. And as always, we have to tell you, there are going to be spoilers ahead because we are literally reading the book out loud. So everything coming out of Jennifer's mouth is potentially a spoiler. So if that is cool with you, fine. Prepare to be spoiled. If you have an issue with that, head over to Season 4, Episode 1 of Bandcamp and try to catch up. And before Jen starts to read, let's introduce the third member of our team, our robot, to give us a brief overview of where we ended up in the last episode. In our last episode, the story left off with an unexpected twist as both Pap and Huck fell asleep, only for Huck to wake up to a shocking scene. Pap, in a drunken and delusional state, was frantically yelling about snakes closing in on them, dubbing Huck as the angel of death. The suspense is building. What's gonna happen next? You're about to find out. And with that being said, let's get into chapter seven. Get up. What you bout? I opened my eyes and looked around, trying to make out where I was. It was after sunup and I had been sound asleep. Pap was standing over me looking sour and sick too. He says, what you doing with this gun? Oh my God, I just thought of something. Is this going to be another episode of listening to this imbecile talk? I mean, hopefully this will be the last we hear of him. Maybe he'll do his escape plan and leave him behind and we'll never hear from him again. I judged he didn't know nothing about what he had been doing. So I says, somebody tried to get in. So I was laying for him. Why didn't you roust me out? Well, I tried to, but I couldn't. I couldn't budge you. Well, all right, don't stand there palavering all day. I don't know what palavering means. Palavering, engaging in prolonged and meaningless talk or conversation, often characterized by empty or insincere words. Dum Dum Pap using a word like palavering is like a fish trying to climb a tree, absurd and out of place. It is as odd as a cat barking at the moon, out of character and utterly baffling. It sounds very fancy for this guy. Don't stand there palavering all day, but out with you and see if there's a fish on the lines for breakfast. I'll be along in a minute. He unlocked the door and I cleared out up the riverbank. I noticed some pieces of limbs and such things floating down and a sprinkling of bark, so I knowed the river had begun to rise. I reckoned I would have great times now if I was over at the town. The June rise used to be always luck for me. Because as soon as that rise begins, here comes cordwood floating down and pieces of log rafts, sometimes a dozen logs together. So all you have to do is to catch them and sell them to the woodyards and the sawmill. Boy, there is not a lot to do in these small towns, Jennifer. I'll tell you, when the highlight of the year is waiting for sticks to float by so you can sell them to the the sawmill, tough times. I went along up the bank with one eye out for Pap and the other one out for what the rise might fetch along. Well, all at once, here comes a canoe. Just a beauty, too, about 13 or 14 foot long, riding high like a duck. I shot headfirst off of the bank like a frog, clothes and all on, and struck out for the canoe. I just expected there'd be somebody laying down in it, because people often done that to fool folks. And when a chap had pulled a skiff out most to it, they'd raise up and laugh at him. But it weren't so this time. 
It was a drift canoe, sure enough, and I clem in and paddled her ashore. Thinks I, the old man will be glad when he sees this. She's worth ten dollars. But when I got to shore, Pap wasn't in sight yet, and as I was running her into a little creek like a gully, all hung over with vines and willows, I struck another idea. I judged I'd hide her good, and then, instead of taking to the woods when I run off, I'd go down the river about fifty mile and camp in one place for good, and not have such a rough time tramping on foot. Yeah, smart. It was pretty close to the shanty, and I thought I heard the old man coming all the time, but I got her hid, and then I out and looked around a bunch of willows, and there was the old man down the path a piece, just drawing a bead on a bird with his gun, so he hadn't seen anything. When he got along, I was hard at it taking up a trot line. Oh, trot lines are full. He abused me a little for being so slow, but I told him I fell in the river, and that was what made me so long. I knowed he would see I was wet, and then he would be asking questions. We got five catfish off the lines and went home. While we laid off after breakfast to sleep up, both of us being about wore out, I got to thinking that if I could fix up some way to keep Pap and the widow from trying to follow me, it would be a certainer, a certainer thing than trusting to luck to get far enough off before they missed me. You see, all kinds of things might happen. Well, I didn't see no way for a while, but by and by Pap raised up a minute to drink another barrel of water, and he says, Another time a man comes a-prowling round here, you roust me, you hear? That man weren't here for no good. I'd a shot him. Next time you roused me out, you hear? Then he dropped down and went to sleep again. What he had been saying give me the very idea I wanted. I says to myself, I can fix it now so nobody won't think of following me. About 12 o'clock we turned out and went along up the bank. The river was coming up pretty fast and lots of driftwood going by on the rise. By and by along comes part of a log raft, nine logs fast together. We went out with the skiff and towed it ashore. Then we had dinner. Anybody but Pap would have waited and seen the day through, so as to catch more stuff. But that weren't Pap's style. Nine logs was enough for one time. He must shove right over to town and sell. So he locked me in and took the skiff and started off towing the raft about half past three. I judged he wouldn't come back that night. I waited till I reckoned he had got a good start. Then I out with my saw and went to work on that log again. Before he was the other side of the river, I was out of the hole. Him and his raft was just a speck on the water away off yonder. So when you said, when you mentioned a couple paragraphs ago that he was going to come up with a plan so the dad or the uh, widow wouldn't follow him, I know what I would do if that was my goal. Yeah. I would somehow fake my death. Hey. Then the day, I don't know how I'd fake it, put my suspenders on a log or something. I don't know. But sure. with all the, the high water and all this debris floating by, if I could somehow make it so some of my stuff washed ashore and I was nowhere to be found, boom, yeah. new life. Yeah, that's the classic, you know, leave traces of your demise. I took the sack of cornmeal and took it to where the canoe was hid and shoved the vines and branches apart to put it in. Then I done the same with the side of bacon, then the whiskey jug. I took all the coffee and sugar there was, and all the ammunition. I took the wadding. I took the bucket and gourd, took a dipper and it, oh, his dad's going to be so mad. <laughs> took a dipper and a tin cup, and my old saw and two blankets, and the skillet and the coffee pot. 
I took fish lines and matches and other things, everything that was worth a cent. I cleaned out the place. I wanted an axe, but there wasn't any, only the one out at the woodpile. And I knowed why I was going to leave that. Why does he know he's going to, why would he leave the axe? Because he's going to fake his death. That's what I'm saying. Ah, Huck Finn, a character we thought we knew. (laughs) But beneath that mischievous grin, there lurks something more, something darker. As his plan to confront Pap sharpens, so does the blade of mystery in this gripping new podcast from Dateline, The Thing About Huck. I fetched out the gun, and now I was gone. I had wore the ground a good deal crawling out of the hole and dragging out so many things. So I fixed that as good as I could from the outside by scattering dust on the place, which covered up the smoothness and the sawdust. Then I fixed the pieces of log back into its place and put two rocks under it and one against it to hold it there, for it was bent up at that place and didn't quite touch the ground. If you stood four or five foot away and didn't know it was sawed, you wouldn't never notice it. And besides, this was the back of the cabin, and it weren't likely anybody would go fooling around there. It was all grass clear to the canoe, so I hadn't left a track. I followed around to see. I stood on the bank and looked out over the river, all safe. So I took the gun and went up a piece into the woods and was hunting around for some birds when I see a wild pig. Hogs soon went wild in them bottoms after they got away from the prairie farms. I shot this fellow and took him into camp. I took the axe and smashed in the door. I beat it and hacked it considerable. Oh, he's doing your plan. You remember how he told his dad someone was trying to break in the other night? Yeah. Well, now his dad will come back and think that somebody broke in and took all and robbed him and took his son or killed him, maybe. Oh. Right? Yes. I beat it and hacked it considerable a doing it. I fetched the pig in and took him back nearly to the table and hacked into his throat with the axe and laid him down on the ground to bleed. I say ground because it was ground, hard packed and no boards. Well, next I took old sack and put a lot of big rocks in it, all I could drag, and I started it from the pig and dragged it to the door and through the woods down to the river and dumped it in and down it sunk out of sight. See, he's staging his own death. Good job, Huck. Sorry for the pig. You could easy see that something had been dragged over the ground. I did wish Tom Sawyer was there. I knowed he would take an interest in this kind of business and throw in the fancy touches. Nobody could spread himself like Tom Sawyer in such a thing as that. Well, I pulled out some of my hair and bloodied the axe good and stuck it on the backside and slung the axe in the corner. Then I took up the pig and held him to my breast with my jacket so he couldn't drip, till I got a good piece below the house and then dumped him into the river. Now I thought of something else, so I went and got the old bag of meal and my old saw out of the canoe and fetched them to the house. I took the bag to where it used to stand and ripped a hole in the bottom of it with the saw, for there weren't no knives and forks on the place. Pap done everything with his clasp knife about the cooking. Then I carried the sack about a hundred yards across the grass and through the willows east of the house to a shallow lake that was five mile wide and full of rushes and ducks too, you might say, in the season. There was a slough or creek leading out of it on the other side that went miles away. I don't know where, but it didn't go to the river. 
The meal sifted out and made a little track all the way to the lake. I dropped Pap's whetstone there too, so as to look like it had been done by accident. Then I tied up the rip in the meal sack with a string so it wouldn't leak no more and took it and my saw to the canoe again. It was about dark now, so I dropped the canoe down the river under some willows that hung over the bank and waited for the moon to rise. I made fast to a willow, then I took a bite to eat, and by and by laid down in the canoe to smoke a pipe and lay out a plan. I says to myself, they'll follow the track of that sack full of rocks to the shore, and then drag the river for me, and they'll follow that meal sack to the lake and go browsing down the creek that leads out of it to find the robbers that killed me and took the things. They won't ever hunt the river for anything but my dead carcass. They'll soon get tired of that and won't bother no more about me. All right. I can stop anywhere I want to. Jackson's Island is good enough for me. I know that island pretty well and nobody ever comes there. And then I can paddle over to town nights. Oh, wait a minute. Why would you undo what you did? (laughs) And then I can paddle over to town nights and slink around and pick up things I want. Jackson's Island is the place. No, just go 50 miles down the river. You don't, right? If you're going to do this, do it. Find a new community. Don't go back. Don't ever go back. You're just going to undo your fantastic getaway. So you like this plan? I mean, yeah, it sounds good to me. That yeah. I mean, if, if he had just taken the skiff, like I suggested, Pap would be after him. That is very true. I was pretty tired, and the first thing I knowed, I was asleep. When I woke up, I didn't know where I was for a minute. I sat up and looked around, a little scared. Then I remembered. The river looked miles and miles across. The moon was so bright, I could have counted the drift logs that went slipping along, black and still, hundreds of yards out from the shore. Everything was dead quiet, and it looked late and smelt late. How do you smell late? You smell late. What could ever smell late? Does lateness have a smell? The odor of night? Maybe it's a thing you can only smell in Missouri. You think so? It's awful late smell in here in Hannibal. (laughs) Eh, Kind of. It sounds about right. I took a good gap and a stretch and was just going to unhitch and start when I heard a sound away over the water. I listened. Pretty soon I made it out. It was that dull kind of a regular sound that comes from oars working in row locks when it's a still night. I peeped out through the willow branches, and there it was, a skiff, away across the water. I couldn't tell how... Okay, what what is a skiff? A small boat? Skiff, a small, flat-bottomed boat typically designed for rowing, sailing, or powered by a small motor. Skiffs are often used for fishing, transportation in shallow waters, or recreational purposes due to their ease of maneuverability and versatility. Wait, so what time is this, Jennifer? Is it dark out? Why, must be because it smells late. I imagine it's early morning, like 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock or something. Who is out there in a skiff? I, I don't know. I peeped out through the willow branches, and there it was, a skiff, away across the water. I couldn't tell how many was in it. It kept a-coming, and when it was abreast of me, I see there weren't but one man in it. Thinks I, maybe it's Pap, though I weren't expecting him. He dropped below me with the current, and by and by he came a-swinging up shore in the easy water, and he went by so close I could have reached out the gun and touched him. Well, it was Pap, sure enough. And sober, too, by the way he laid his oars. Oh, my God. Why is Pap there? Isn't he down rivers quite a ways? What's Pap doing out there? I don't know. But so they are literally crossing in the night 
And Pap doesn't see him? I guess not. He didn't start off yet. Why didn't he start off yet? Did I miss something? Yeah, he fell asleep. He fell asleep again. This kid. Like, remember he was going to, like, escape that one night and he fell asleep and then he fell asleep now? Jackson Island is the place. I was pretty tired. And the first thing I know, I was asleep. Has so it got narcolepsy or something? He has narcolepsy. Nobody ever talks about narcolepsy in this story. This is where we plant our flag. This is a major discovery. Can you imagine killing a pig, going through all of this insane but brilliant plan to fake yeah. your own death and then take a little nappy poo before you leave? What is this? Well, luckily he didn't unhitch yet, so he's still hidden you know, in the, the vines or whatever. So did Pap go in the house yet? I don't know. Well, anyways, let's find out, I guess. Wait, I'm going to put a side bet down. I want to bet you. Do you think he's going to fall asleep one more time before he leaves? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't lose no time. The next minute I was a spinning downstream soft, but quick in the shade of the bank. I made two mile and a half. Oh, so he got away a little bit. So I guess Pap didn't go in the house yet. Right. Okay. I made two mile and a half and then struck out a quarter of a mile or more toward the middle of the river because pretty soon I would be passing the ferry landing and people might see me and hail me. I got out amongst the driftwood and then lay down in the bottom of the canoe and let her float. I laid there and had a good rest and a smoke out of my pipe, looking away into the sky, not a cloud in it. The sky looks ever so deep when you lay down on your back in the moonshine. I never knowed it before, and how far a body can hear on the water such nights. I heard people talking at the ferry landing. I heard what they said, too, every word of it. I heard one man say it was nearly three o'clock, and he hoped daylight wouldn't wait no more than about a week longer. After that, the talk got further and further away, and I couldn't make out the words anymore. But I could hear the mumble, and now and then a laugh, too. But it seemed a long ways off. I was away below the ferry now. I rose up, and there was Jackson's Island, about two mile and a half downstream, heavy timbered and standing up out of the middle of the river, big and dark and solid, like a steamboat without any lights. There weren't any signs of the bar at the head. It was all underwater now. It didn't take me long to get there. I shot past the head at a ripping rate. The current was so swift, and then I got into the dead water and landed on the side toward the Illinois shore. I run the canoe into a deep dent in the bank that I knowed about. I had to part the willow branches to get in. And when I made fast, nobody could have seen the canoe from the outside. These boys, they know all the little hidey places. Yeah, it's like that's all they would do. It's just explore where they could hide if they ever need to make a fast getaway. <laughs> I went up and sat down on a log at the head of the island and looked out on the big river and the black driftwood and away over to the town three mile away, where there was three or four lights twinkling. A monstrous big lumber raft was about a mile upstream, coming along down, with a lantern in the middle of it. I watched it come creeping down, and when it was almost abreast of where I stood, I heard a man say, Stern oars there, heave her head to stabbard. I heard that just as plain as if the man was by my side. There was a little gray in the sky now, so I stepped into the woods and laid down for a nap before breakfast. End of chapter. 
time is so strange with these people. Three o'clock in the morning, he's snapping, then he's getting up, and then he's making his escape for like half an hour. I am thankful that during the middle of his escape, he did find time to take yet another nap. Yeah. It's time for PPP, problematic points to ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? In that chapter, nothing banworthy again. Like, no offensive words even. So Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, you fake your own death. Nothing band-worthy. If anything, I think kids can learn something valuable from it. <laughs> All right. Well, we've caused enough literary chaos for today. Thank you for listening, scary book people. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with one person to whom it would add value. Bandcamp is produced and hosted by Jennifer Davis and me, Dan Schultz. All media used in this production was done so under the protection of fair use. See you guys next time. Bye.